Bethel Cancel. I'm a pastor at the Bethel Assembly. I'm a youth pastor, and I'm a friend of Pastor Joey. And uh, Pastor Joey could not be here tonight. Obviously, he's home uh, with his girls and with his wife, and uh, um, hopefully he's getting some sleep. Um, but I know that he loves you, and I know that he's praying for you, and I know that he misses you. And so, um, you know, let's pray. Let, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just lift him up right now in prayer and the family. Father, we thank you so much for your beautiful gift to all of us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for life, and we thank you for the things that you're doing in Pastor Joey, Lord, and his household, God, his wife and his girls, Lord. And I pray that you would give them a supernatural grace, Lord Jesus, that you would give them rest, rejuvenate them, strengthen them, Lord God, and help them, Lord Jesus, to continue to celebrate new life and blessing from the Lord, Lord. So we just pray, oh God, refresh them in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. It's good to pray for your pastor. Amen? It's good to pray for your pastor. I know. I need everybody to be praying for me. So my wife is here with me tonight, Vanessa, my daughter Haley, my son Ethan. Would you guys stand? And one of my guys, Jake Hanenbach, you guys know him. He's a friend of Excel. Oh, and Lewis is here too. Hey, stand up. Stand up. Give him a hand. Hey, praise the Lord. Thank you guys for coming along with us and being here today, it's a special day. I want you to, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay, I think the words will be up on the screen, but if you do have a Bible, would you take out your Bibles and would you go to Genesis chapter 3, right from the beginning, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, and um, I'm going to read a few verses here, and then I really want you to lock in. No one should be hiding in the dark. Um, I'll just tell Jonathan to turn on all the lights if, you, if I can't see you. But um, so far, I can see everybody. Thank you guys for being obedient. Um, you guys got it? Say amen. amen. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said? You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, I want you to think about this, okay, because she answered, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, everyone repeat that, say God has said. All right, let's do it unison, ready? God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will become like God, knowing good and evil. This chapter of the Bible, right, we call the, uh, the fall of man it happens in, the, in this chapter of the Bible. And it's where we're at uh, today. Uh, from that day forward, we still have some of, the, we still suffer the effects of what happened this day. Uh, in chapter one and in chapter two of Genesis, we hear the voice of God. Everyone say, voice of God. We hear the voice of God speaking things into existence. 
We read that the, 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 the Spirit of God hovered over the earth and that there was chaos in the earth. And so God comes and he begins to speak order and he begins to speak blessing and he begins to speak life over the earth. And he creates all types of stuff, right? All the beasts of the field, all the uh, birds of the air. He sets the oceans and the, and the seas at their limits. He, uh, he creates man, and out of man he creates a woman, and he's walking in a blissful garden with them, and everything is good in the first two chapters of the Bible. Chapter 3, another voice begins to speak. In chapter 3, as soon as God had finished his work, Satan, whether in form of a serpent or actually possessing a serpent, begins to speak into what God has already spoken. Okay? So God spoke, and now here comes the counterfeit, the fake, the liar, to come and try to warp what God has said. You know why? Because Satan will always contend to warp the meaning of God's word. He will always want to put a twist on it, to find a loophole so that you and I could be in disobedience if we believe his lie. He will always contend to warp the meaning of God's word. Why? Because God's word is flawless. It's perfect. It's true. It's good. Okay? It's inerrant. It has no errors. From the beginning of time, for humanity, Satan has been trying to discredit what God has to say. It's right there in chapter 3. For us, obviously, for humanity, for us, the consequences are real. Especially for, well, it's equally, right? The guys have to work hard. Some of, some, of you, some of the guys just don't like working. They're lazy. That's a whole other issue. We won't get into that today. Right? Girls, the women have labor pains, right? Uh, so, so I just saw a, a, young, a young lady with a baby here. Uh, I think it's your wife, right? And... Uh, Obviously, were you there when she was born? Oh, yeah, there, there were some labor pains. No? No, we had some good meds. Oh, you had some good meds. Oh, okay, yeah. See, see? <laughs> meds weren't around back in the day, though. So, uh, but there were, there, if, without meds, right, there would be some serious labor pains. I know, I have two kids, and, and my wife didn't take meds, and there were some serious labor pains. So the consequences are real. We still live with them today. But if you look closely at this text, Satan reveals his ultimate intention. His agenda is not just against us, humanity. His agenda is against God. He is literally going against what God has already spoken. The agenda of this deception does not just affect humanity. It literally warps God's word. The voice of God to you and to me 
His goal is to warp the meaning of it so that we could be out of step with God's will for our lives. It's an attack against God's word. So he blatantly discredits the word of God so that Eve could second guess, even though she was very clear, she answered very well, she was very clear, she, she had to second guess, and now what she does is she takes what she knows to be true and exchanges it for a lie. Even though she heard God's voice clearly, she was cognizant, she understood it. It wasn't like she was confused because she answered, we could eat from all the trees, but this tree is a no-no. And then we know how the story goes, right? So today I need to remind you, and I want to remind you, and I'm probably going to remind you several times, that commitment to God's voice is the key to living your best life. Commitment to God's voice, commitment to God's word, commitment to what God has to say is the key to living your best life. The title of my message today is Living Your Best Life. Life. Everyone say it with me. Living your best life. life. Say it louder. Living your best life. life. Okay. I got a really cool slide for that. I think uh, there he is right there. I put one of my boys on there. Look at that right there. Praying. You know what? When you pray like that, you're living your best life, buddy. Living your best life. Throughout the measures of time, throughout the, uh, the, the time that uh, history, right, Satan has made his, his mission to distort the truth, the word, the voice of God, so that our lives can be filled with challenges because his life is filled with challenges. You know there's no hope for him. He's doomed forever, done, finito, that's it, nothing else. His destiny is already has already, been, has already been spoken. So now, what he does, and I know this is Christianity 101, but I'm going to explain it anyways. That way it's loud and clear. So now what he does is because he can enjoy the pleasures of walking with God. He doesn't want you and I to have the pleasure of walking with God. So what he does is he stays busy day and night. He stays busy doing, uh, creating schemes that will cause you to trip And so throughout the history of time, this is what his mission is, to create challenges for our lives. And I'm not talking about normal life challenges like uh, taking the bus to school in the winter. How many of you take the bus to school in the winter? Are you high schoolers? None of you guys? You guys all have cars? One, 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 two. Okay. It's miserable in Chicago, isn't it? I didn't have a car. I had to walk to the bus stop in 30 below, snow, sleet, right? It's miserable. It's, that's a challenge of life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about walking in a bad neighborhood at night. How many of you have ever walked through a bad neighborhood at night, right? I remember as a young kid, I'd walk through like Beach and Spalding. I don't know if you guys even know where that's at, but it's basically in the heart of Humboldt Park. It's bad. Today, it's a little bit better. It's a little softer there. But when I was a kid, huh, I'm not talking about those type of challenges. I'm talking about, I want to take a sip of water, but I I just want to get this across real quick. What I'm talking about is, is when we believe that our deepest needs, okay, 
such as love, such as joy, such as peace, such as purpose, can be fulfilled by the offers of this world. And we begin to believe that the temporal things that are here on earth can satisfy what God has placed in us to be eternal. Oh, I'm going to stop there for a minute because I think that was a mouthful. You have a soul, and your soul is for eternity. And so nothing temporal, nothing that is here in this world could satisfy your soul. And so what happens is we begin to believe that our surroundings or our culture or the things that are going on in this world could satisfy the longings of our soul. And we begin to believe the lie of the devil, the lie of Satan, and we, get to, and we succumb to the things of this world. But your soul was meant for eternity, so only eternal things can satisfy your soul. You see what I'm saying? Only God can satisfy your soul. So, so when we begin to believe that, the options of this world can make us whole or bring us satisfaction. It's just another lie that the enemy has prepared for you. And he dangles it like low-hanging fruit to see if you take it. These things lead us to hurt. These things lead us to compulsive behavior. These things lead us to unhealthy emotional patterns. And as he did in the very beginning, in chapter 3 of Genesis, he continues to draw up schemes to make your life difficult. That's his job. He wants to make your life difficult. And he wants to lead you further and further and further away from the truth. Look at what the book of Hebrews says. It says, Jesus Christ is the same. Everyone say same. same. Say it loud. Same. Okay. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of our souls, the one in whom all authority on heaven and earth has been given to. Okay, that Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Who he is is who he is. He doesn't change. And so the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to say, look, Jesus has been the same. Time has changed. Culture has changed. Practices have changed. Doctrines have changed. Everything has changed. But Jesus has not changed. And then he says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Strange voices. So, in my time, okay, in my lifetime... I have been reflecting on the 41 years that I've been on this earth. Maybe not 41 because, you know, one through, zero through like six is like, I don't even remember. But in my lifetime, I've been reflecting. I grew up, my mom was a Christian, is a Christian. My dad wasn't. And the people, some people around me, some key people around me were Christians. And so I grew up primarily in a Christian home. 
But my brothers, no one else served the Lord, just my mom and some of the people that live in the same building as I did. And I am thinking to myself about how much in the day that I live today, how severe the truth of God is being attacked. When you look at our culture, everyone say culture. Whether it's the society's culture or whether it's ethnicity culture. Okay? I might tickle your feathers here, and that's okay. I'm from the city. I'm Puerto Rican, born and raised. I speak Spanish, English, Spanglish. I do it all. Okay? When we look at the culture of the world, the society and ethnicity cultures, what we see is a slippery slope away from a godly culture. And so what happens is these cultures easily justify sin by giving it a politically correct name. Or the age-old excuse. I've heard this a lot. Oh, we, that's the way we do it around here. That's just who we are. You know? That's the way my family is. That's the way I was raised. That's just the way it goes. That's a lie of the enemy. Did you hear me? That's not the way it has to go. The way it has to go is the way the Bible tells you it should go. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Right? And so, and so uh, they easily do that. They easily justify it. And when we measure it up to the Bible... It just falls short. In Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God was unleashed. It was, it was unleashed toward men who said that they knew God, but they ignored him. And they did things their way. And if you read Romans chapter 1, the things that they were doing were unnatural because they gave in to their sin. They gave in to a different voice, a different word. And so God backed off and he was like, all right, cool. You guys want to do it that your way? Do it your way. And it didn't work out for them. It went really, really bad for them. So they decided that God wasn't uh, worth their devotion and chaos broke out in their lives. The culture of chaos, everyone say chaos. The culture of chaos is what seems to be the culture we're living in today. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go there. In the world that we live in today, it's upside down, guys. Okay? It's upside down. The chaos in this world has led many people to struggle with identity issues, with gender orientation with racial divisiveness, with anger, and with violence. The culture of chaos in this world has led people to honor preferences rather than principles. What I prefer is the right thing rather than what God's principles are. That's, that's what the chaos of this world is causing today. I see it today. There's a disregard for God's word, just like there was in Genesis chapter 3. Disregard for God's word. 
See, today, I want to remind everyone that the voice of God is the truth of God. And that commitment to his voice and to his truth is the best way of living. It is, even if it's hard. If you're here today, you might say to yourself, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're just kind of like here just to be here today. Or maybe someone invited you and you're kind of like checking it out. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, let me, be, let me just be really clear. I'm going to take a moment just for you. Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can get to the Father unless it's through Jesus. That's just the way it goes. But today, if you put your trust in him and you believe in him, you believe in him with your heart, you confess that he is Lord with your mouth, and you really believe and trust in him, you too can live your best life. Because all it takes is for you to confess and draw near to him and then begin to talk with him and walk with him. And then he begins to teach you how to live your best life. And so tonight, that opportunity is here for you. We know that today, opposing voices have warped the truth of God. And they're pressing loudly on every side. The times that you guys are growing up in are really tough. And I'll be the first to acknowledge that. The things that you have to face at school are tough. My son is a senior in high school. They just asked him in front of the entire class what he prefers, what are his preferred pronouns. So, so a kid, 17-year-old guy, walks into a room. He's obviously, he's obviously a dude. But now the teacher has to ask, what's your preferred pronoun? Like if we get to choose whether we're male or female. Like if uh, when it comes to racial divisiveness, like if it, I get to choose my parents before I'm born. Right? Like if I, like, like if, like if, you know, I decided to be Puerto Rican, or I decided to be uh, African American, or I decided to be uh, 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 white. I decided to be Hispanic. Whatever it is, no one. Dec God decided that. God decided that. No one else decided that, but God. And so, so it's like the world you're living in right now. It's a tough world. History keeps repeating itself. We had to deal with racism 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Quiet. And it just keeps repeating itself. And it's this chaotic cycle. But see, when you, when you bow your agenda And you leave it, when you abandon your agenda and you bow your heart before God, then you really start living. Because you start to live under the umbrella of God's truth. And listen, the Bible, it stands on its own. No, no preacher has to preach it to you. You read it, it gets inside of your heart. Faith is welled up in your heart because the Bible says that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. 
And it stands on its own power because it's the very word of God. And so look, we know that there's opposing voices and they're strong. And so here's the progression of thought. You got that? God speaks. Everyone say God speaks. Satan warps. Humanity disobeys and it leads you to chaos. Always. Always. When you disobey God's voice, God's word, it leads you always to chaos. Tonight, I want to give you a few key thoughts that will help you obey God's voice. Because you know what? What we need today, I'm so glad you guys are at church today. I'm so glad you were brave enough to say, look, I know we live in a COVID world. I know things are not the same. I know we got to wear masks, and I know we got to be somewhat distanced and all that stuff, but I still need to go worship Jesus. I applaud you guys for that. Okay, good job. I'm really proud of you for that. Coupled with that, we need, we need young men and young women who are willing to obey God's word, no matter what. That's what this world needs. If the Bible, who believes in this, in this room, who believes that the Bible is the ultimate authority? Raise your hand. Tell me, raise your hand nice and high. Who believes that? Okay, most of you believe it. Praise God. Well, if the Bible is, is what most of you believe is the ultimate authority, how many know we should live by it? We should bow to it. We should hold on to it. We should embrace it. It should be our guide to life. Amen? Amen. So look, I got a few things just, just for you to, to help you obey God's voice. Number one, embrace the fear of God. Embrace the fear of God. I'm going to explain the word embrace because I'm going to use it a couple times. Embrace is to hold closely in one's arms, especially as a sign of affection, right? You see this with uh, married couples, hopefully, that embrace each other, right? And they're affectionate towards each other, and they hold on to each other, okay? And it's a love feeling. It's a feeling of appreciation. It's a feeling of, of I don't know what I would do without you type of thing. Embrace the fear of God. Pastor Daddy, that's crazy. PD, what are you talking about? What do you even mean, uh, embrace the fear of God? I'm not asking you to be afraid of God because we don't serve an angry God. Okay? So if you have been raised in a house where people tell you that God is angry at you because you let him down, that's wrong. Everyone should have said amen. That's good news. Okay? We don't serve an angry God. We serve a loving God. But we also serve a holy God. And so we should fear God. Reverence him. All of our choices, all of our decisions, as we represent him, we should fear God. Embrace it. Embrace the fear of God. Listen to Proverbs chapter 9. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Good. 
Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning. Good. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So everything, right, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So everything, everything wise begins with fearing God. Everything wise begins with that. Not with what I want to do, what mommy and poppy told me to do, what Theo told me or Tia told me, none of that stuff. No, it's the fear of God, the word of God. Everything wise starts with, let me see if this honors God or dishonors God. Because I serve a holy God and I want to reverence him. Because I love him, not because I'm afraid of him. Right? Embrace, embrace the fear of God. The dividing line between those who are wise and righteous and their approach to wisdom and those who are foolish and wicked is a fundamental principle. In this text, what Solomon was saying is, okay, fearing God is a prerequisite for wisdom. So if you want to do what's right in life, if you want to live your best life the right way, begin with fearing God. Okay? Without a humble, sincere reverence for God and for who God is, a person will be arrogant and instinctively lash out when they are corrected. Have you seen that? Hey, you shouldn't be destroying my property. Well, you owe me. I don't owe you anything. You're destroying my property. You've seen that in this world recently, right? Say amen. It's okay to say amen. Because when you act foolish, there's a disregard for who God is. So the fear of God, embrace it, because it's the beginning of wisdom. Number two, embrace the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Embrace the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to, listen to uh, uh, John 16. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Everyone say truth. He will not speak of his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you. Or he will disclose what is to come. Leave that up. Don't take it down for me. Just leave it up for a minute. But he, but when he, who is he? Who? When he, the spirit of truth. Who is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. He will be your, uh, what do you call that thing? GPS. He guides you into all lies. Is that what the Bible says? He says he guides you into all truth, whether you like it or not. He guides you into a place where you have to look in the mirror and say, this is true, and I have to receive it, and I have to follow it. For he will not speak of his own. In other words, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, doesn't just say things on his own accord. This is a deep passage. What he says is, he, he doesn't speak on his own, but whatever he hears. Well, who is he listening to speak? Jesus and the Father. So what they speak to him, 
he conveys to you and he leads you into it. That's why he's called the helper. That's why he's called the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of you. When you can't do it on your own, he leads you right into truth. How many of you were on the brink of making a bad choice and you heard a voice that said, "Ah, you shouldn't be doing that right now. Yeah, why? Because he leads you into the truth. So we have to embrace, we have to embrace the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was clear. No confusion about this. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit into the truth, not into what people say is true. Not into what culture says is true. Not into what your emotions say to you is true about yourself. No, no, no. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit into the truth, even about ourselves. And some of that will be encouraging, right? Some of that will be like, God loves you just as you are. Some of that would be, God will never leave you or forsake you. God will provide for you. He's, he, owns the, he owns all currency. He will provide for you. All types of encouraging things. And some of that will be, you need to repent from your sin. Both are true. Because the spirit of truth leads you into truth. So look, there is a voice that speaks louder than all the other voices. It's how you tune your ear that matters. You know, um, as Christians, you and I cannot, cannot blame our circumstances or we cannot blame the outcome of our actions on our circumstances. Can't. Circumstances highlight what's inside your heart. Did you get that? What, what a hard circumstance like the one we're living in right now. What it does is it puts this pressure on you and it squeezes out what is inside of your heart. And see, if the word of God is not in your heart, then whatever else comes out of it is not good. Because you can't stand on your own power. you got to stand on the word of God. Right? And so the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you into that truth. It's not that you know in here. It's that you know in here. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that takes it from here to here. Okay? So we have to embrace, hold on to, with affection, okay, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One time, one time I, I, used, to, I, used, to, um, I used to coach baseball, and uh, I coached it till about, um, I, I think it was baseball. I thought it was, I, I did my best um, to coach. I don't know if it was baseball or if it was just kids throwing the ball around, right? But I coached till about seven or eight years old, and 
one time I, we, we were playing baseball. And, well, I wasn't playing baseball. The kids were playing baseball. I was coaching. I was on third base. And we were behind to the best team in the league. And, you know, in the city, when you're the best team in the park, you know, you have all these bragging rides. You know, you, you come in. You got fresh kicks and all this stuff. And you think you're big and bad. You got a nice bat. And your coaches are, you know, all decked out and whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, the best team, the best everything, you know. And we just came in with our park district stuff. And we're like, yeah, let's play. We're going to beat these guys, you know. I always taught my kids. If you lose, you lose. I'm not giving you a trophy for losing, okay? All right? Oh, participate. No, everyone participated. You lost, okay? It's okay to lose, okay? All right? It's not okay to lose, but you got to accept you, you lost. All right? I'm not giving you a trophy for losing. To this day, you know, if my son comes in second place, they give him a medal, he just throws it out, all right? Because it's not first place. I don't know, maybe you guys don't feel the same, but it's okay. It's just the way I am. And so... Taught my kids, we're going to win, we're going to play hard, we're going to do this. So we're losing by like three runs. Bases loaded. It's like fourth inning. We only play six innings or seven innings. I forget exactly what we played. We're losing. Bases loaded. Kid comes up, Ty. I know him very well. I know his family. A lot of people of his family love me. I love him. You know, we're all cool. Comes up, hits a grand slam. I mean, killed the ball. I was like, where does this kid get the strength to hit the ball? I mean, he rocked it. So the entire, like, the entire team is, like, screaming and, and jumping. And, you know, it's like the world, like, they thought it was like the World Series, you know. And parents are like, yeah, they're all high-fiving, right. And I'm, like, going crazy, right, because I'm like, you know, I'm the coach and I want them to win. I'm celebrating. And then, so after all of that, right, after all that celebration, I look at the roster for the next hitter. And Ty batted out of order. For your, those people who don't know baseball, there's one through nine, right? At least in the major leagues, it's one through nine. If you bat one, you have to bat one every time. If you bat two, you have to bat two every time. You can't be like, oh, this guy's a better hitter, so let's move him the next inning. No, that's not the way it works. The roster is the roster. The lineup is the lineup. And when you bat out of order... What you do doesn't count. It doesn't count. You're out. So my heart begins to pound. And everybody is laughing and having a great time. And then these kids are seven, eight years old. And no one knows that Ty batted out of order. Uh, I could see the face of the other kid who was supposed to bat. I think his name was Christian. I'm not, I'm not sure. But Ty batted out of order. It's like my heart is pounding. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Everyone's happy. I got this pressure on me now. Because I know that what happened is not valid. And I know that the, the, root, the root sin would be that I lied and that I cheated. So what do you do? No, not half the team was not Christian. Just me, my son, and Ty. All the others, they weren't Christians. They knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I loved the Lord. They knew that I went to church and I was heavily involved in my... They knew all of that stuff. I didn't swear at the kids because, you know, some people have potty mouths, right? 
I didn't swear at the kids. I was intense, though. I, I, I did raise my voice, but I didn't swear at them. So what, what do I do? My heart is coming out. And, and, I, and I, I heard my pastor say one time, integrity is what you do when no one is looking. I was like, oh, snap. So I walk up to the coach on the other side. And, and everyone's looking at me. So I went from party, going crazy. I mean, literally going crazy. You know, Hispanics. You know how it goes, right? I went to the other coach and I said, hey, man, none of those runs count. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, my guy batted out of order. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I said, man, I can't do it. I said, none of the runs count. He's out and uh, put everyone back on base. And there's two outs. So I go back to, the, to my crowd, and I'm like, hey, guys, everyone get back on base. And everyone hated me immediately. All of my best friends, they turned into enemies like that. I was getting mean mugged. People were walking around like, oh, scratching their heads like if they had to make the decision. But she, I knew And I told these kids, I knew that if I didn't make the right decision, I would have to live with it. I would have to live with disobeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's what I would have to live with. And so you know what I did at that moment was I embraced the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I went and I told the kids... You batted out of order. It was Julian was supposed to bat. He said, you batted out of order. Julian was supposed to bat, not you. And he looked at me, and he starts crying. And now his parents are mad because I told them the truth. So who's the bad guy? I'm the bad guy. But you know what? That's cool. The whole, the next two innings... I prayed. I've never prayed so hard in my life. I was like, God, you, you need to vindicate me. I was like, I know you don't get involved in sports and all that good stuff. I get it. But, Lord, these people hate me right now. It so happens that we beat them. We hit a game-winning home run. Somebody, I forgot who it was. Ethan, right? Ethan, you hit the game-winning home run. We won. Everyone's going crazy. And then I pulled all my kids, and I said, I said listen, I will never teach you to cheat. And they're like this. I will never teach you to cheat. I had to do what was right because I knew in my heart that if I didn't do what was right, I would have to live with that decision for the rest of my life. And you're, you're like, Pastor Danny, it's a baseball game. No, it's not a baseball game. It's me obeying and embracing the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if I could embrace it in that little decision, then when a greater decision comes, how many know I've already had good practice and now I could follow the Holy Spirit's prompting? But when you don't, you deny it, chaos breaks out in your life. Those kids will never forget that. Embrace it. Um, John chapter 8. If I can get someone to play a keyboard or something, maybe a guitar. John chapter 8. Jesus said to them, if God 
or your father, you will love me. Jesus got some strong words for people. If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. So I'm speaking, but you're not able to hear me. Understand, comprehend. I'm speaking, but you're not, you're not bowing or you're not receiving what I'm saying. So why? He says, because you belong to your father, the devil. And that's a strong word from Jesus, isn't it? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Now listen to this. He, this is Jesus speaking. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a liar from the beginning. Because you know, Jesus holds lying and murder at the same, at the same rate. If you're going to go cash it in, they both, they both cost the same thing. Right? So he says, he says to them, your father, right, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the, what does it say? Not holding to the what? To the truth. Where did that happen? Genesis chapter 3. He's a, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. What does he want? He wants your soul to be eternally condemned and damned. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's a stone-cold killer. From the very beginning. Why? He could not uh, hold on. Unable to hear what I say. He could not hold on to the truth. For the truth is not in him. You're like, Pastor Danny, I already know that. Okay, well, if you know that, today I want you to embrace his word. I want you to hold on to it. Okay? I want you to hold on to God's word because God's word is what's going to sustain you. It's what's going to guide you and it's what's going to protect you from the devourer, Satan himself. Because, listen, in school, you're facing it. They're telling you all types. Of, they're indoctrinating you with all types of stuff that's not true. You know what's true? The Bible is true. So look, embrace his word. Embrace his word. Embrace his voice. God's word is God's voice to us. And the Bible is our manual. It's our guide. You and I need to hold on to it. We need to, we need to embrace it. We need to be people of his word. You know the Bible says, my people perish because they lack knowledge. What knowledge? Knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Word. So you lose battles because the Word is not inside of you. You make mistakes. Not that you're going to be perfect. I make mistakes. But you continue to, to be in cycles of mistakes because the Word is not in you. Right? He's saying, no, no, listen. 
embrace my word. When you look at the Psalms, you see the psalmist saying, right? In Psalms, uh, Psalms 1, I love this psalm. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take the seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight, everyone say delight, is in the law, in the word, in the voice of the Lord. To delight in it, right, you have to embrace it. You got to do it with some type of affection. He says, and who meditates on his law day and night. Eve, God said, all of this other stuff is for you, but this. That's what he said. Meditate on it. Internalize it. Make it your promise. Make it something that you will not uh, compromise. Meditate on it day and night. Why? Why is he saying that? Because that person is like a tree that's planted by streams. Because that person is a tree that is rooted deep in the soil of the word of God. And the word of God strengthens him just like streams would strengthen the root of a tree. Are you catching that? Everyone say amen. Someone say amen. Am I too loud? Am I, am I a little too hyper? Am I good? I know Pastor Joey gets loud sometimes too, right? Which yields its fruit. In other words, when you are like a tree by streams of water, you give out the scent or the goodness or the virtue of what's inside of you. Not your circumstances, not your buddies, not your teachers, not the culture of this world, not the movements of this world, not, not the, what movie stars, what TikTok says about you, what Snapchat, none of that stuff. The virtue that would come out of you when you meditate on the law of the Lord is what like a person, like a tree planted by streams of water. And then he goes even further. He says, which yields its fruit in season. In other words, seasons come and go. So at the right moment, if you are planted in the word of God, when the season comes, you will yield good fruit. When the hard season comes, when the confusing season comes, when the tough season comes, you will yield good fruit because the word of God is good. And then it says, whose leaf does not wither. Leafs wither when the temperature changes. When it's cold outside. Right? The autumn leaves are beautiful. But eventually they fall and they die. And then the tree is left bare. Right? But this person, come winter, come snow, come floods, come freeze, come whatever may come, your leaf will not wither. That's what the Bible says. And then it says, whatever they do, it prospers. Whatever you put your hand to, if you're rooted in the word of God, if they are fed by the streams, if your roots are fed by the streams of the word of God, listen, whatever you do, whether hard or easy, it will prosper.
because the Bible says it will. Meditate on the Word of God, okay? We, uh, we need to be people who pray like this and who live like this with sincere hearts. Psalms, Psalms uh, 119 says it this way, and I'm, I'm done with this. That's it, I'm done. I just wanted to give you some things that you could meditate on. And I know I've been up here for about 36 minutes now. Psalms 105, uh, 119, 105 through 112. Everyone say your word. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Lord, which way should I go? God, who should I date? Lord, what, what, should, I, what should I do for a living? What's my major? Lord, how do I honor my parents? Lord, teach me how your word. It's a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. In other words, what you say, God, I will keep. You see it, right? You see the pattern here? I'm severely afflicted. In other words, my life isn't comfortable right now. It's not all peachy, okay? I don't have air conditioning in the house, and it's 200 degrees, and I sweat all night, and I'm tired, and there's no food in the refrigerator because my parents haven't gotten paid. And, and, and you know what? We, don't have, we only have one car, so I have to walk to school. And you know what? I can't buy the fresh clothes that all my other friends have. I'm afflicted, God. I'm embarrassed. I, I have to go through this. You know, my, my body's afflicted. I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. I'm tired. I can't learn what the teacher's teaching me. So I feel like, I'm, like I'm, I'm no good. I'm afflicted, God. But you know what? Lord, give me life through your word. Yo, God is like, God is spelling it out right here. Give me life, Lord. Give me virtue. I don't have to look like anyone else. I just have to look like you, Lord. Give me life through your word. Lord, please accept my willing offering of praise and teach me your judgments. Teach me your word, God. The wicked have set a trap. Oh, my life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your word. The wicked set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts, your word. You know? I have your decrees as a heritage for, forever. They're my heritage. Your word is my heritage, Lord. Right? And they're the joy of my heart. How many of you could say today, the word of God is the joy of my heart? How many of you ever said that, ever heard it said by anybody? When you're walking by somebody, they're like, you know what? The joy of the Lord is the word of God in my heart. This is the culture that excel needs to embody. As a matter of fact, here's a play on words. You want to excel in life? Get the Bible inside of you. I'm resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. In other words, right now, today, yesterday, last week, hundreds of Christians are dying in Afghanistan. You know that, right? Right? So, why do you think they're dying? Tell me. 
Tell me why they die. Huh? Terrorists, yeah, terrorists are killing them. But why? Why are they killing them? Because they have resolved to obey the statutes of the Lord to the very end. Yeah, go ahead. You can take my life, but you can't take my soul. Right? Now look. Isn't it a trip that across the world, people are dying for Jesus? In the world we live in today, people sit around and don't do anything for Jesus? Isn't that a trip? Isn't it a trip that on Sunday morning, hundreds of Christians are dying for their faith, and then there's other hundreds of Christians who stay home? And don't come to church? Isn't that a trip? It's a trip, isn't it? You know what? Get the word of God inside of you. Get it inside of you. Do not be deceived. I'm proud that you guys are here. I'm so happy that you're here. But my encouragement to you today is, listen. Listen to the voice of God. That's the key. Obey the voice of God and you will live your best life. Even if it's hard. So tonight I want you to stand. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to have girls get on this side and guys go on that side. Girl leaders, go with your girls. Guy leaders, go with your guys. You guys go with the guys. And we're going to pray today. We're going to pray like we've never prayed before. I want you to pray over your students. Vanessa and Haley, if you guys could come help pray on this side. Keep your mask on. And I want you to pray that, that we would be people of the word of God. That we wouldn't be swayed by the culture. That we wouldn't be swayed by the lies of the enemy. That we wouldn't trade the truth for a lie. That we would be fortified with the word. That we would be men and women who have iron inside of them. Because that's what the Bible is. So go ahead. Begin to pray. You know, if you want to reach out to somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you guys know each other better than I do, but I want you to wrestle in the Lord tonight. Because listen, without the Word of God inside of our hearts, we're done. We're lost. We have no direction. So let's pray, yeah?